1: Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. Full house today with John Hughes, Paddy Sinnott, Patrick McGill. Welcome to the show, guys. It is, although it doesn't feel like it, a Champions League night this evening. Paddy Sinnott. It's all a bit flat, isn't it? Aye,
2: there's nothing really much. Well, I suppose I've tried to play for a bit other than that. Um there's not really much else that we, that, that, that's there to play for tonight. I suppose we could, if, if we beat Fiona tonight, um, then we, we have got one over Manchester United, who will then officially be the worst team in this campaign. Um, but I suppose if you want to play for that, then why not? But aye, all, all flat, don't even know what to say.
1: Well, Paddy's brought up Manchester United. There's There's lots of chat and you knew it was going to be coming, John. Um, already Jason Cundy thinks that it's necessary to bring Celtic into our discussion about the fact that Man United have spent £600 million net in five seasons and they were absolutely rotten in Europe let's talk about Celtic let's compare them to Celtic £110 million spent in the summer yeah it's incredible Paddy. incredible you know and I think that When you're talking about European football, European aspirations, John, it is important to know where we are in the food chain, but I think we always take that into account. My biggest issue this season is we haven't maximised our position within a group that we shouldn't be sitting here going into the final match day on a point. We've just not maximised it, have we?
3: Sorry, Paul, were you making that point just now or did you just clip that from every one of the last like 10 years? Yeah, it's six and a half years, John. I
1: just pressed play.
3: Champions League soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, the same again, isn't it? I mean, it's exactly mm-hmm. what I said last week, <clears throat> jokingly about, um, you know, being catfished, and it's the same thing again. <clears throat> We've been sold up up again. We bought it again. And the thing that actually really annoyed me yesterday was Arsene uh, did a great job at the Celtic Presser. Uh, Ask yeah, sure Brendan the questions uh, and asked him the question about Europe. Same question that he was asked when he came in, basically, Uh, it worded slightly differently. But the answer was the same. It was as if this season hasn't happened. The answer was completely the same. Oh, yeah, I'm the man When That's the reason I come back and I come back to drive us forward and I come back to do this and come back to do that. Did you? Good for you. And Is there any evidence of that? Uh, how, How did you do that exactly? You know, so I'm scunnered with him at the moment, actually, because, you know, I was I was annoyed enough about everything else. I've been, you know, I'm glad it's Wednesday because on Monday Tuesday I was working on my Zen, focusing on my Chi to try and get my blood pressure down below apoplectic. Uh, so, you know, right now it's just fizzing. Uh, so, I, look, you know, Brendan's saying that yesterday is so blithely and uh, just repeating what he said at the start, it's just, you know, it's like, here we go again. Uh, you know, it's like as they say, it's déjà vu all over again. Uh, so I'm just fed up to the back teeth with the platitudes uh, because we know there is no actual backing that up. There's no actions backing that up. You know, you haven't done anything. The, te- the team is, you know, the, the team is, is, well, undeniably significantly worse you know, and we'll come back to other people's role in that as well. But it's, it's significantly worse. You know, we've had injuries and all that sort of thing. But you know, it, it, that's what squad depth is supposed to be for. Mm-hmm. So you don't fall apart when you have an injury run. Uh, so no, we're we're in a mess at the moment. I think actually, um, you know, it's all right to say we're top of the league and all the rest. Yes, that's true. But unlike the game last year, like Saint Mirren, for instance. Which just came out the blue. This is not out the blue at all, Uh, and there are far too many parallels to the COVID season for my liking. Despite the fact we're all trying to deny it, but there are just you know I think we've got the same number of points or something. They're very similar, same number of wins. You know, it's it's just you know it's very uncomfortable at the moment. Uh, I'm not happy with where we are in any part of this. I'm not happy with the players uh, and their attitude. I'm not happy with the manager. And what he's done, I'm not happy with the recruitment. Basically, I'm just pretty unhappy. (laughs) That's that's essentially it.
1: John, you were talking about uh, working yourself to the point where you're able to come on and obviously deal with this in a calm and serene manner. It reminded (laughs) me of Brian McClare talking about the different levels of fuming that Alex Ferguson used to get himself into. And... uh, Brian said that it was almost like a colour chart where the most human was like a really deep shaded purple. He said, and then he would calm down to a madman, which was quite a, a deep red. He <laughs> says, that's when he was calm. Um, <laughs> that's what that reminded me of. And there's me just doing my name drop five minutes in, guys. Right. David Boyle. Roger says, Kyo, I want to bring this up because yesterday oh, we kind of committed to. a um, bizarre Kyogo. statement. Yeah. What? I know. The, the chat around Kyogo, David brings it up. It's a great point. Roger says Kyogo is not being asked to drop deep. If that is the case, he needs to work his system to get our wingers to hit the byline. He's talking too much in press for my liking. Not good vibes. Right, two points from that. I'm going to come to Patrick first. The one about Kyogo, we know he's a class player. We've seen it for two seasons and for stages of this season as well. But I think we're all a bit concerned about the fact that he's so anonymous in games. Um, it was Alan Morrison last Friday dropped a bomb on me with the, the start... That Yang and Palmer combined have played four successful crosses to Kyogo in the opposition box all season. Four. And I'm thinking right, Jota used to do that every every half. Uh-huh. That's an issue. So we were wondering what is the what's the change in Kyogo's role? Brendan Rogers says there's been no change. He just decided to drop deep. What what do you make of all that, Patrick?
0: Yeah, that's a concern. I mean, we all thought this was some sort of tactical change and in the beginning of the season you could you could sort of see what, what what we all thought he was trying to do you know, he's playing cute balls around the corner, O'Reilly was trying to get on to them um, you know, Maeda was trying to get on to them and we had a bit of success you know, O'Reilly's obviously free scoring this season but you know, he's, he's scored, I think he's on six goals this season, Kyogo two in the Champions League, one against Rangers and then the other three are in the so, you're now looking at what three league goals and 15 league games, which is you know very poor for Kyogo's standards and yeah. uh, not good enough for a first choice Celtic striker. Um, and it, it's, sort of, it's bewildering really to read that comment or to, to listen to what he said because he obviously is dropping deeper. So, the fact that he hasn't been told to do that is I mean, he, he, does he feel starved of the ball? as he's looking to try and get, get on the ball more? Does he feel, I mean, people have all, all said it, you know, in the games where we've been poor, it's, we're not getting the ball to Kyogo, we, we don't seem to have a way to get the ball up top, um, so I don't know whether it's something he's doing on his own, but I mean, it's a concern, and it's even more of a concern if the manager isn't telling him to do it, um, that's that, stat about the four crosses all seasons pretty, I mean, Yang Yang doesn't really like hitting the violin, he likes it Cutting inside the ways we cut which is you know again bewildering. but the 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 start about Palma is quite concerning as well. I mean, he's played almost every game. He's he's a good player. He's you know puts a good couple of crosses in, but to not be finding Kyogo, I mean, I thought I thought another comment that um, you know it was from a Seams question in the presser yesterday was quite alarming. The uh, you know we signed eight or nine players. Uh, Palma seems to be the only one that starts regularly. And Rodgers essentially said, um, you know, these are players for the future. And you think, well, if we're going to sell, if we're going to lose two or three key players, first-team players in the summer, and we're basically not going to bother recruiting for the short term, we're just going to buy eight players for two, three years down the line. Where does that leave us in the short to medium term? what we're, we're, we're leaving ourselves short by two or three guys for two seasons. I mean, it's an incredible way to, to run a football club. And, you know, it... Although he's saying you know these guys will mature and they'll grow into a club like Celtic, it doesn't sound as if Rogers himself has any intent on playing them. It's a bit like you know the Schved comments of January twenty nineteen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, just prior to him leaving, uh, Rogers That is that was the one. Can I just August say? Sorry, Paul John. Can I just say, Patrick? You're saying the concerning thing is there. Uh, you know, he's not telling him to do it. Even more concerning, why is he not telling him not to do it? Uh, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> That's a good point, Yeah, yep. You know, I, I mean, it's pretty basic, isn't it? You're our best striker by a country mile uh, and you're playing 20, 30 yards away from the goal. Get in the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, John, but there's, there's, no point in get, there's no point in getting in the box because there's no service. See, know does tell
2: them to stay in the box, right, and Kyogo's not doing it. That, again, itself is a concern because then he's going against what the manager's telling him to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there's does all levels are wrongness about <laughs> what Rogers yeah. said? I think I think Rogers has probably thought that that's the answer will probably um, placate the fans and make us think that he's we're going to get the Q go back, but it's just raising more questions and giving us answers.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. And and the thing is, listen, I know that. You could probably go into the past, um, like John says, and there's certain things that you've said before, but there's other things where you might contradict yourself. And I think we're all guilty of that as humans. We obviously look at every single word that comes out of Brendan Rodgers' mouth, especially when things aren't going well. We then compare it to something he might have said at the beginning of the season, said this doesn't match up. And and we've got to take into account that often things will change, attitudes will change. I think uh, one of my biggest concerns right now, is that Brendan Rodgers seems to have changed a fair bit from the beginning of the season as well, his approach. Um, And Callum McGregor, Paddy, was asked about this anger, you know, that he spoke about after the St. Johnston game. He's never been as angry in the dressing room. And McGregor, as a captain, said, right, when the criticism is deserved, we've got to basically respond to that. And it looked as though we got a response in Perth, but it's the follow-up. It's the follow-up, right? So you get 90 minutes against Hibs where we didn't quite steamroller them like we did against Aberdeen, but it was a decent enough performance. You're going to win the game playing like that. And then <clears throat> Kilmanek happens, Paddy. And you've not had a chance to talk about Kilmanek. We've obviously got now to talk about tonight, but you need to talk about Kilmanek because we've spoken about European hangovers and all this before. That's a hangover. That, that's a point where you're looking at that game saying, wait a minute, we're still in control at half-time. Kilmarnock figured out how he beat us and beat us pretty well. I was watching the, the the final, I think it was 10 minutes of injury time, right? probably a wee bit more. And there was a moment, Paddy, right? And I'm not just using Greg Taylor to have a kick at him, right? But he couldn't get the ball up the park, on the park. It kept going out for a bye kick. And I, it was almost like the deja vu that John was talking about earlier. You're thinking to yourself, there's a glitch here. Can mm-hmm. you not keep the ball in the park? keep in possession, break out, and you're talking within 10 minutes of injury time where we're chasing a game that we're losing 2-1. Paddy, the frustration was beyond belief. It's almost as if, other than that St John's game, once we're in a groove, we can't get out of it. The scary thing for me was, when <coughs> against command, excuse me, as we looked pretty
2: decent in the first half, and and we were watching the second half. Celtic had no answers to a side that's sitting fifth in the Premiership when they decide to have a go. There's not one answer to it. We were pegged in for probably, what, 15, 16, 17 minutes that first half, and there was nothing. There was no reaction for the players. There was no reaction seemingly for the manager. I know that i seen it anyway. It just seems to be as if they were just weathering the storm. Maybe they thought they could break up the park and score. But even at that, when when they had possession, like you said, Paul John, they done nothing with it. No. It was either sideways, backways. <sighs> The fullbacks couldn't get forwards. Midfield was non-existent. I, I can't even remember a time when really drove forward in the second half, um, like he normally does. Um, it was it was bewildering watching it, and, and I've not seen a performance like that for a long time. And one thing, obviously, as I say to you guys in group chat the other day is, if Rodgers was angry against St Johnston, what, what was that reaction against Kilmarnock? What was? I mean, he, he looked the calmest man. And the planet where we were all sitting turn our hair out and the, he he just seems to be quite lackadaisical about um, that forty-five minutes we all just watched. So uh, the decline in the team and the performance is worrying. Um oh, can I in. just
3: add in there, Parry, as you're saying that the, the thing that I've seen people sort of criticizing the midfield and I'm like yeah, but you know, you've got at the back there, you've maybe got four out of five empty shots behind you and in front of you you've got maybe two or three if not three. So what are you supposed to do with that? Do you know what I mean? And it was uh, uh, and he even said himself in the second half it was uh the, the center halves stopped playing the ball forward, stopped playing but we were just pinned in they kept playing you know playing it back to Joe Hart, expecting Joe Hart to dribble up the pitch and do what I can't stand that. I, I think that's the most the biggest cop out in football. It's passing it across the back for five minutes and then passing it back to your keeper. Well, can you not just kick off the
2: pitch? Pass forward in about the last three games. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're just very, very square. It? There's no yeah. urgency. But, uh,
3: you know, they even even in the first half, they were better. They just dropped off. Just stopped doing it. Yeah. And then you, you to take the fact, Greg Taylor's having one of the worst seasons I've ever seen. Matt Phillips is a competition winner, but whatever competition it was, it wasn't a football competition. Like how that man is getting 60, 70 grand a week. I don't know. You should be feeding the homeless with that rather than giving it to you know, an <laughs> absolute fraud of a footballer. Um, Makes Shane Duffy look like Maradona. Uh, I've never seen a half like that. Honestly, my granny could skin her. Um, you know, but, <laughs> we'd have to pay to her, but she could still do it. Um, <laughs> you know, and then and Liam Scales is having a mayor because Phillips is having a mayor. Um, and then uh, you've you got MJ. The fact that MJ. You know, Mikey Johnson. It looks so good just because he's direct. It wasn't enough before, and it's still not enough now. He is direct. He's strong. He's direct. He can contribute. He can't contribute enough, and his outcome isn't good enough for where we, where we wanted it to be years ago, and it still isn't. But he is direct, and that makes him look brilliant in comparison to the likes of Yang. Uh, Palmer's one of the laziest swines you'll ever see in a Celtic sorry. He refuses to try. But Greg Taylor's already struggling. Uh, and Palmer's given him nothing, absolutely nothing. And when you've got your captain, uh, in terms of that one game, shouting at um, the centre-half, uh, which was Liam Scales, to go to his man uh, to make a tackle, and you've got him shouting at Palmer for not showing, you've got some real problems there. You know, that that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a knock-on, it's, it's a knock-on effect. You, you shouldn't be about... berated.
1: And it was clear for all to see. You know, yeah. the, the Palmer thing, that really frustrated me, John, because I think of the nine that have come in in this summer, the summer, the, the guy that's shown um, more than any, I would suggest, is Palmer, And he's got loads of credit on Axon. And I've seen logic yeah. credit credit um, on social media channels from Celtic fans talking about the good that he's done. But there is this niggle and doubt in my mind in terms of bringing players from... All parts of the road's great, tapping into different markets. But they've got to have the right mentality to play for Celtic. And the mentality is that, you know, losing the game here or there isn't good enough. Dropping points isn't good enough. You've got to win every game. And this was my concern when we brought in so many players because, and I've used the percentages, 28% of your dressing room is now brand new players from all over the place who don't have that mentality, you know, m- McGregor would do it anyway because he's a captain, but he's got the mentality because he came through the system as well, Patrick. And I've got a wee concern about Palmer and the mentality as well as the discipline because he gets booked for fun. I'm going to bring this up here um, from Al Hatem fan. Can we talk about the Palmer problem, as he calls it? He's not a quality sign-in rubbish since St Johnston he doesn't have the pace or trickery trickle- to be a winner. no defensive work rate. hope he proves me wrong now the thing with Palmer is we, we were praising him and, oh, and I, I asked worry, the I question I've got at my door <laughs> no worries no worries mate um, and I asked the question Patrick I, I, I asked the question was he one of the four quality sign-ins that Brendan Rodgers was referring to in the summer because We've seen some good performances. I'm not going to write them off. We have seen some good performances, goal contributions, um, the Dink tail rally against Motherwell. You know, we can't just say he's rubbish because he's not. But it's the mentality that I think that needs to shift with Palma. He needs to realise, Patrick, every game doesn't matter if it's Ross County away, Atletico Madrid at home. We need to go out and win. That is an absolutely Prerequisite for anybody wearing the hoops for Celtic. Do you think it's a mentality issue? Because I do think he's talented, Patrick.
0: Yeah, I think it is. And obviously, you can't underestimate that that factor. You know, he's a young guy. I think he's only a couple of months older than I am. Uh, and he's came from a totally different Edurne. continent. He's got getting... <laughs> <laughs> dreams of uh, dreams of playing for Real Madrid. Uh, I can of see that based on the last couple of weeks. Um, but you know, obviously fancies himself. But uh, you know, as as John has said, he's not uh, the biggest fan of tracking back. And I think that the the thing that highlights it for me more than anything was the the Madrid away game. You know, we went down to ten men, disgraceful refereeing decision, right? I was sitting on the couch fuming. So I can only imagine how the players felt out there having to uh, defend for ninety minutes over a Madrid game totally spoiled. But Palmer must have went into that game knowing that if he gets booked, he's going to miss to away, a potential crucial game. You know, he must have known that the club must have told him, "Do not get booked tonight, or else you will miss the next game." And about five minutes after he uh, gets sent off, he's uh, moaning at the referee and he gets himself booked. Whether it's whether it's a booking or not, you know, the referee was obviously harsh to Celtic that night. But don't give him any excuse, and he gave him that excuse. And I, I think that's a mentality thing to take to be told not to get a booking and within, you know, what is it, 23, 24 minutes of the game, I mean, you've not only sort of scuppered yourself that night, you've scuppered yourself the next night because our wingers are how we got up the park in European games and uh, to be missing a guy as crucial as that. You know, we've seen it against Lazio, Forrest, Forrest made one forward pass in 60 minutes against Lazio, having yeah. replaced Palmer, And I think we're, we're looking at these nine signings and we're saying, right, we spent, what 21 million. Uh, 3-4 million in Palma, he's definitely the best, I think. I don't think there's any doubt about that um, in terms of what we've seen so far. You know, I quite like home, uh, and I think naroski will end up being a good player. But what we've seen so far, I think Palmer's contributed the most. But he's, he's definitely not lived up to Jota. You know, he's went off, went off the boil a lot in the last couple of weeks. He, he's not lived up to Jota, and, um, you know... The, you've obviously got to have question marks because we, we haven't been playing that well recently. And he is definitely part of that. You can't excuse that just because he had a really good couple of weeks back in October. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's definitely still a question mark over his head.
1: And, and it's a knock-on. That's what we're saying after um, speaking to yourself there a, a moment ago, John, because if Palmer's not tracking back, there's a knock-on effect on Greg Taylor, who already isn't playing that well. If Greg Taylor's not in the correct position, Paddy, I'm going to throw this one to you. I keep watching the command that goes, trying to figure out where Greg Taylor is because both of them are on his side. That's where the danger is. Skills has been stretched, so I feel sorry for Skills. He's been stretched. You can see him coming over to the left to try and cover for Taylor, who's playing number ten at that point. Um, and then I, I, I think of the the five five jerseys that John was talking about in defence. I do have concerns. We're talking about four quality signings. I think three of them could go right into the back five, Paddy.
2: Easily, and and I think the um, the left side has been targeted in the Champions League by Lazio Atletico Madrid, and I'm pretty sure final targeted at, at Rotterdam, and now we've got the SPL sides targeting the left side because they know that's that's the weak the weak part. Um, it's obvious, I mean, to go back to Greg Taylor, like Greg Taylor, he's played every single game this season for Celtic and he's played almost 90 minutes every game. He needs out of the team. He, I, I, I wrote about that yesterday in TBR Celtic. As him and two other players just need out of the team regardless. Um, and it's not going to happen tonight because obviously we'll, we've, we've not got the, the cover to do it. But he needs a rest. Um, and, and, and we just need to freshen it up at the back. And again, to go back to the point about Palmer, I think... <laughs> Palmer is suffering for the fact that he's he's picking up for somebody who the Celtic fans love and adored. But pretty much like Greg Taylor did when he was signed when Keanu Tierney left, he's always going to be compared to Jota. You just kind of compare somebody to Jota because he's one of the players that you get once every once in a generation, and you think, just, so this guy, is, is he's something else, a bit like Kieran Tierney, and, 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 and in a certain respect, I think Palmer suffered for that, because we're, we look at him and go, well, he's not a jotter. Well, of course he's not a jotter, he's a completely different player. You don't yeah. get a jotter every, every time you sign a winger. But what he does bring is he's... I, I quite like Palmer. I think he's done really well this season um, no Paddy, can I just not. say?
3: Sorry, can I just say, it doesn't stop him running backwards
2: No, of course not It yeah,
3: might not be Jota going forwards, but, but it Jota doesn't didn't, stop him see, running backwards
2: but, but see, if you look at it, John, Jota didn't do it either He didn't do it in his first season at Celtic He really only started doing it because his place was under threat by Maida If you remember right, I think it was last season he started tracking yeah. back more. I didn't see him date his first season. I um,
3: think his he stats at pressing were pretty good uh, towards the end there. Yeah,
2: And that's when you started seeing Jota kind of try to do that. It was towards the end of his spell at Celtic. Um, so, aye, but like I said, the back, back four is, is really worrying and what is also worrying is that we can't cope with it, Cameron Carter, because we simply can't do it. Um, and, and the fact that Brendan Rodgers sees Nat Phillips as a better option than Lager, and Norocchi, who he spent over £7 million on in the summer, is is deeply, deeply worrying for me.
1: Yeah. Now, John, you've spoken about uh, the Nat Phillips scenario. And, yeah, I've read that he's on sixty-five grand wages with the loan player agreement. I don't know how much of that we're going to be covering. But if you want to look at the Shane Duffy uh, transfer whereby he was on 45 grand at Brighton and we were paying 25 grand of that. We're going to be paying at least that amount for the services in that Phillips. Um, an interesting thing for me is I, I, I keep going back to quality signings. And I, as I say, you pour over everything Brendan says he mentioned the fact that there were four players that he identified in the summer. So what I did was I had to look at, you know, the links that we had over the, the summer months um, and, 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 in a way, try to look at what kind of players do you think it was that Brendan was looking for. So put the nine to the side at the moment, because the vast majority of them are for the future, as Brendan has just said. If it was a winger, because we brought in three wingers and we sorry, knew we had to bring somebody... Just, can I, sorry,
3: can I just put that to me For the future? For whose future? <laughs> for the <laughs> future I, 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 for me, No, seriously, What does that mean? The future? For, for, for future? For
1: future? You're stockpiling players. They can't play. There's no way for them to play if they're not playing for the first team. Uh, it, it's just a, it it's a nonsense
3: sense. statement. Aye. It's a nonsense statement. For the future, uh, well, they, they can't get a game for the first team, as you say. We've got no second tier to speak of. Mm-hmm. Worth, worth a damn. We can't get that many players out on loan, at least we'd be lucky to. Uh, are, we, are we stockpiling for what? But just, just, uh, and we're paying the majority of the wages and we're just going to... I have this massive squad with a whole load of guys. The chances of making it are slim to nil and they're never going to get anywhere near the first team. Whose future is that for? Because it's not for the team.
1: No, I think the board want to get lucky with a Matt O'Reilly type, you know, a Matt O'Reilly-esque signing where they pull somebody in for a million and a half and if he was to be sold now, they would say, wow, thousand percent profit look how good we are at recruitment that's for me but it's it's not worked and and it was the wrong transfer window if there ever is a uh, transfer window to do it that wasn't it do
3: you know and and, uh, as mate said the other day you go into the pound shop uh, and there's a good chance you might find uh, one or two things in there that are useful to you but the majority of it is garbage right so Mm -hmm. you know if you persist in shopping in the pound shop you're going to have a lot of garbage Exactly. Uh, so you know it's it, it's it, again it's not done right and it's not done right because of where it starts from uh, and that was uh, you know don't want to jump ahead Paul John but that's Mark Wall uh, and I'll come back to that if you want but you know I, again that that's an issue.
1: Well, in a in an alternative universe, Kevin Graham will be uh, dying to get involved in this. He loves an alternative universe. Had we gone for the winger we were actually linked to, remember we were linked to Daniel Podence. I remember talking yeah. to you about it, yeah. Patrick. Yeah. And there's a guy, yes, he's at Wolves. Yes, he'll be on big wages. He's on loan at the moment to Olympiacos. So a deal could have been done. It might not have filled us full of joy that we were bringing in a loanee, but you know what? If it's the right loanee, a la Jota and CCV, it can work. So there's, there's a winger. We've brought in three, and we've spoken about the best of the three who hasn't been... Uh, Perfect. Goalkeeper. We were linked to Dominic Lavakovic, you'll remember. Um, He left, he eventually left Dynamo Zagreb for a at a cost of around six million quid. Are we scared to buy a goalie that's going to cost us a few quid because what happened to Barkas? I don't know. But Lavakovic, we've been talking all season about a new goalie. Would he have improved this team? And the other one, one of the only players that, that Brendan Rodgers actually spoke about in a press conference was Kieran Tierney. Right, now, I don't think he's the answer. But in terms of a left-back right now, we're talking every week about the weaknesses in the Celtic side. Two loanees and a big money signing. Would that have, for me, uh, Patrick, would that have improved the team rather than buying nine players for the future? Quote John Hughes, whose future?
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, it would have, definitely. I mean, I was was desperate to sign Lovakovic. And I think... (coughs) I think... The only possible um, you know, excuse or reason you could give to the recruitment team and to the board and to the club is the wages, maybe, that these guys have being offered elsewhere. Obviously, Podent's playing for <laughs> rules in the Premier League. He's going to be on 50, 60, 70 grand. But as you say, with a loan deal, even if there isn't an option to buy, you could be having a Nat Phillips situation. I mean, we've got a guy right now, 65 grand a week on loan um, from a Premier League team, so we know it's possible. Yeah, um, and that guy's mint. You know, he's absolutely rotten. <laughs> uh, so imagine we get a good player. I, I want to the wages.
1: Association society.
0: So imagine how start, much of the wages uh, would be willing to cover if he was good. Uh, Lavakovic obviously would have been a permanent signing. Um, I like to think would have been willing to spend six million on a guy who was in the World Cup semi-finals, who's a penalty specialist, who's a great shortstopper, and I like to think it was the wages that stopped that. I, I don't know how much he's on. Um, in Turkey, I know Turkish clubs, um, you know, they sort of spend the same as us, but their wages are sort of mental compared to what we pay. So, you know, breaking a wage it's all well and good saying, Oh, you know, you're wasting wages here, there, and everywhere. But if you break a wage structure, you do end up with guys like, you know, McGregor, Carter Vickers, Kyogo chatting your door and going, Well, I want that money as well. So I could maybe understand that depending on what he's on, but you know what, I, I still would have liked us to get him Tierney, uh, I, I didn't think it would happen this summer, obviously it didn't. Um but you know I've seen I've seen things online that he's he's homesick or he's wanting to move back to Scotland and if he's wanting to move back to Scotland that only means one thing. Um you know, he, he doesn't seem to be anywhere near the Arsenal team. Uh, obviously he's a... I'll put you after I know. you, that you, noise? Noise? Uh, you know, I, I, I think those three players would have improved the side. Um whether how interested in them were we, I don't know. But, you know, when you look at Greg Taylor, um, you know, when you look at that position, and obviously you're never going to replace a guy like Kieran Tierney, unless you bring him back, of course. Uh, but we spent three million in Bowling Golly, Mints Uh, three million on Burnaby, so far contributed nothing. So you can call him mints as well. Uh, another potential uh, attitude problem there as well, getting himself into bother left, right and centre, on and off the park. And then Taylor, who you know isn't particularly quick, isn't particularly strong, um, isn't tall, and outside of eighteen months under Ange, hasn't been very good either. Um, so you spent nine million trying to, to replace a left back over from four and a half years ago, and you haven't really uh, succeeded. So that shows you how good our recruitment strategy is. Um, right. Regardless of how much money we're we'll willing to spend, we can't seem to get a decent left back in.
3: Well, can I just say that, first of all, I just got a message through there to say the Polish keeper's uh, wife said no uh, to Scotland, and that was 100% verified. So uh, that's one reason. But that, that, that's, again, that's not really the point. The point is, it's that quality of player you're talking about. It doesn't have to be that individual. So it's exactly. that quality of player. But well, can I just...
1: John. I'll go back to Jim Kerr of Simple Minds yeah. fame, and he said that you never ever change your football team, but you can change your wife. Your political leanings, <laughs> your religion. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's not as though it's going to scupper the deal for sure. I mean, you could still sign them. Yeah. That's that's a minor, that's a minor detail. At least we I know I, I, that, I, I, what he's told though.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <Absolutely>. Can <laughs> I just <laughs> raise Sorry. this point? Sorry, Paul John. You know, I just want to raise this point because I, I don't think people are aware of this, right? Uh, it's been put out there multiple times, but I think it's been covered off in a way uh, such uh, it's not widely known. Uh, So, Mark Global. if you look at his uh, uh, LinkedIn profile, it still says uh, that he was head of scouting and recruitment at the City Football Group, um, and that would cover all the clubs in Europe, Australia, Japan, South America, USA, and that would be for about 10 years. That is a massive job. It's an executive level job. That is a massive job. He would be part of their top executive team. Uh, that is a huge job. And apparently he was 37 when he came to us. He was only 27 when he got it, which is absolutely remarkable. Some might say miraculous. Uh, so there's nothing available online about what he did before he got that extremely senior job um, at uh, uh, the City Group, uh, which again is OK. That's fair enough. seems a bit strange to give someone that senior a position. Uh, Their leadership team were all listed online. He was not mentioned at all. Uh, In 2016, both UEFA and the Times described him as City's Scouting Information and Content Manager. Now, if you know anything about office titles, Scouting Information and Content Manager basically means he did admin in the Scouting Department. Right? That's what that means. So he he was collating the information from the scouting reports, making sure, and content manager means putting them in a way that they could be easily understood or they ticked all the boxes that they wanted ticked. Uh, And basically, he was far from being a top-level guy, and I'm happy to be contradicted in this, if Mark wants to contradict me, Uh, you come on and tell us what you're doing, Mark. Um, But essentially... Uh, he is at best, and I do mean at best, a middle manager of an admin department within the scouting um, larger scouting uh, uh, department. Um, so that's the guy. Now, I've heard Alan Morrison and people out like say, "Oh, he was—he he was an admin guy. He wasn't really a—he uh, wasn't really a recruitment guy." But when he said that, much like I think a lot of people uh, did. I assumed he was an admin guy, like the head of UEFA is an admin guy. Do you know what I mean? I didn't think he was an admin guy, you know, getting the copies and, and, you know, essentially doing the doing the recruitment reports, uh, the scouting reports and collating them. And that's the guy who's in charge of our recruitment. And the other guy that works with him, whatever his name is, is apparently exactly the same. So it's exactly the same. So these are... Middle-ranking, uh, best middle-ranking, if not junior, but mid- let's call it middle-ranking and be fair. Middle-ranking guys in a uh, doing admin and recruitment department. And since Mark Lowell has come in, we have signed 20 players. Segrist, Bernabe, Moy, Moritz Jens, Joyce, Clark, uh, Haska, Banovich, uh, Abelgarb, Kobayashi, Alistair Johnson, Iwata, O'Holm, Tilly Young, One. Um, Norovsky, Lager, Bielka, Palmer, Phillips, Bernardo, and when you look at that list mm. uh, as to who has made us better, uh, Moy made us better, Alistair Johnson made us better, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's it. So there, there, you know, there's guys there who have contributed nothing. There is guys there who have contributed, but they haven't made us better. Uh, I, I, and so, you know, from the point that we were at, that's a that's a uh, what a ten percent hit rate. Uh, the thing is, uh, the thing uh, is, John. I think
1: I think have been generous by giving him Moy, although it was under his watch. You know, it, yeah. it's clear that Ange is identified. Uh, yeah, it was Ange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, so. that's worrying. That makes for worrying reading. What, it's how, many, it, how many millions is in there, John?
3: Well, it's basically, if you go into, you know, Matt Lowell being in charge there, it's like, if you went into hospital and they said, you know, and you were desperately ill and you needed something done with you, and they said, oh, don't worry, the hospital administrator's on his way, you know, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, that's great, thanks very much. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I don't know, do you know, but of course, it's not nepotism because Ange knew the guy, that was the the office junior um, in the City group and he desperately wanted him to come and do this extremely senior job of which he had no previous experience Um, so there's nothing to be worried about there it was Angie's man On that point though John we've been talking about
1: being quite perturbed or confused by certain comments being made in pressers and all that I'm going to go back to the the AGM comment uh, that Michael Nicholson made about the appointment Paddy of Mark Lowell Um, and that was a bit of a concern as well wasn't it, we've been hit with quite a few concerns through what the manager's been saying uh, recently but I thought Michael Nicholson's uh, comments were quite concerning as well that we would put all our eggs in one basket basically and bring the man in Um, what if he doesn't, you know, Ange Posikoglu rated him apparently, what if Brendan Rodgers doesn't, who goes Who do you think (laughs) That's a big worry, isn't
2: it? Aye. Who do you think is going to go? Um, Because it's certainly not going to be the one that we want to go. Um, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted at how far we've fallen in in less than a season. Mm -hmm. Um, Less than half a season, to be honest. Um, I suppose you could argue the signs were maybe there towards the end of last season when, when Andrew's obviously looking to leave Celtic. But to go for where we were a treble one inside where designs are making it in Europe and we all thought that could happen with the squad that we've got. With Brendan Rogers, we blend in maybe the gung-ho style, Ange Postacoglu's team and Rogers' pragmatism. You could maybe get the balance right for Europe. It's just, the thing's just falling apart. It seems like a cheap suit um, and it's 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 worrying. But what's even more worrying is, how do we fix it? How do we, how do we move forward? How do we get past this, this period where there just seems to be a complete disconnect between from what we are seeing to what the club are telling us to what Rogers is saying. Um, there's just so many things that are going wrong um, that the alarm bells are—they're not ringing anymore. I think they fell off the wall. Um, so, I I don't know. I, just to go back to the answer to your question, it certainly won't be Matt Lawley. will leave anyway. Put it that way.
1: The reason I'm bringing it up isn't because we're trying to feed into the doom and gloom. There are people who don't like watching Axom if we're going to question anything or be apparently negative about things. But we are asking about it in such a way of, like you said, Paddy, how do we make it right? And for me, when you go into the transfer window in January, you can't make the whole thing right because we're too far down the line. We're talking, John, you were talking about for whose future. If you have got a successful, let's say, half a dozen transfer windows behind you. The development players, because we all know they're great when they work, but the development players come to fruition at some point during that cycle. And I think the cycle has basically fallen off the track. That's my issue at the moment, Patrick, because that list that John read out, there's been too many transfer windows where we've not had as many hits as we need for the cycle to continue. So if you've brought in two or three uh, development players two or three transfer windows ago, they are now developing. And at this stage, they are contributing. What's actually happened is your bernabees and Seagrists and Kobayashi you know, these
0: guys, from way back then, there's too many not contributing. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're, you know, we're, we're talking on one hand, you know, I think we spoke as recently as last week about having a bloated squad. Um, you know, I mentioned that last season, you know, you have a Champions League squad list of 26 players, and I don't think we've ever used all twenty six. Mm. So if if you get if you get less than twenty six players who are good enough for the Champions League to come on as a substitute, you don't need what have we got thirty three players at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So we get a bloated squad, and yet we're buying eight players for years down the line. So as John says, you know this is just a nonsense strategy, and it's a strategy which we might all like to think. That we're copying the City Football Group by doing this, you know, we're going to have loads of young players. We're going to send them out loan, and in a couple of years they're going to be brilliant. And then we're going to sell them on for big money, and we're going to scale up. And I think the problem is if we, well, well, for one, we don't seem to want to scale up. You know, we buy players for three million, eh, we sell them for what ten or twenty, and then we just keep on buying them for three million. I mean, we we're buying guys like Puke and stuff for three million ten years mm. ago. We thought we'd made a change with Carter Vickers and Jota. We've obviously sold Jota for money, and then we're doing the exact same thing. We're buying second division uh, Swedish and Korean players. Um, and the, the risk is, when this goes wrong, instead of being like um, the City Football Group, you end up like Chelsea. Chelsea, I think, at, at one point had 90 first-team players, most of which were out on loan. And then what happens when, you know, you have a couple of bad seasons, you're not in the Champions League, all of a sudden it's panic stations, you know? Um, so, uh, we're well, obviously the equipment is absolutely lamentable uh, over the last, you know, three four windows, um, and you know, looking towards tonight, I have absolutely no hope of winning tonight. There's uh, there is nothing I can point to that would indicate that we are going to win the game tonight. I don't think we've got a better manager because Tottenham ex- expressed an interest in uh, Arne Slot. Uh, And they didn't express an interest in Brendan Rodgers. So you've got to assume they've got a better manager. They've definitely got a better squad. Um, They've got a better record in Europe. Um, And I think, you know, after tonight, they'll probably have a better record at Celtic Park in the Champions League over the last 10 years than we will. It's absolutely extraordinary. I've been a season ticket holder for 10 years. I've yet to see us win a Champions League game. Um, So I've got absolutely nothing to point to to think that we will win the game tonight. Uh, so it shows you where we are and we've got a club you know across the road 10 years old they might be re- recording losses every year but they got to a European final albeit very lucky you know a lot of fluke results there at home but you know they they can win knockout games no bother and yet we are world class in several departments gone to Michael Nicholson and can win a European game um, a harsh slice of realism
1: from Patrick McGill by the way class. just after that's you were class.
0: saying just after you were saying you know people don't like listening to criticism and negativity I've been on a wee rant there so apologies if we've lost the
3: positive thing is Patrick they all get an increase in their pay so you know uh, <laughs> and bonuses so that's very positive good for them
1: Another positive, John, is I now know that for the Christmas mug next year that I get for Patrick, his uh, motto will be mince. We've got hee-haw for Jim o, um, and various others for other people, but yours is definitely mince. Every signing that we've brought in that hasn't worked out is described as mince. There you go. Sell
3: 88.
1: <laughs> for some, it absolutely is. We need to get this no-one record offer back tonight. Right, Patrick doesn't think we're going to sell 88 I was talking about, yeah, you need to get that monkey off your back. And others are pointing out that there is a financial element to it. Absolutely, I get it. Uh, when it comes to the coefficient, it didn't seem as though Brendan Rodgers cares about that yesterday when he was asked that question. I'm more interested, John, about the moment, momentum, Easy for me to say, from now until the 30th of December. I know you're going to be coming uh, back uh, to Scotland for yeah. the game, John. We need to start preparing for that but putting in the results and putting in the performances
3: they, they absolutely need a reaction tonight and they need a performance um, look we have a puncher's chance tonight and as much as um, the they're going to play, play their reserves almost certainly and they'll bank on their reserves to take the point because they, their only motivation is the money as well uh, so they couldn't really care less uh, it depends how much they need the money I suppose but um, there's no reason why they just shouldn't play all their reserves you could argue that we should play our reserves, whoever they are. Um, most of them are in the first team at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, uh, you know, and uh, look to the weekend and uh, look to the league because this, this is a dead rubber for us apart from money. Now, look, uh, you know, again, there's the argument, I, I will never not support Celtic, but there is the argument here that uh, has been made elsewhere uh, that a win tonight... Allows the board to cover their blushes and just get away with it again. uh, I just say we've made progress and clearly we haven't. Uh, It's a dead rubber. We're already out. The game is meaningless. uh, And whatever points we take for tonight is handy financially, but it means nothing in terms of progress uh, because, you know, again, we're playing against a team that don't care. Um, So, you know, for us, I I agree with you 100%, Paul John. Uh, We have been so inconsistent. Uh, and you know, so poor in patches uh, that we absolutely need to get back on track. And we need to get back on track, not for this game, but for the next game and the next game. Maybe try and get three games in a row, even where we could get yeah. a result. That would be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know. And then it's not just about the consistency today. What really, you know, you're talking about winning the game. As I say, puncher's chance. I don't see how that happens unless they genuinely put the reserves out. We are not good enough. Even at our best at the moment, with the personnel that we have, uh, you know, I don't think we're good enough to win it. We're good enough to get, potentially get a draw if we play the way we played before. But I don't think, again, the personnel that we have at the moment uh, are good enough in the form. It's not good enough. Um, and my concern is with that defence. If Carter Vickers isn't back, uh, do we know if he's back?
2: He's not playing today.
3: Carter Vickers uh, and Maida are out for tonight, aren't they? Yeah. So, basically, uh, I was hoping he'd be back. If he decides to persist with Phillips, first of all, I have to question his sanity. I also have to question whether Narovsky has suffered some horrific car accident. We didn't know he's now a double-leg amputee. You know, he would still be faster than, than uh, Phillips on the turn. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's shocking. Um, so, if he plays Phillips again, I have to question the manager's sanity. Narovsky, when he came in, looked a, a solid player. Uh, so I don't know. What, I don't know what the the issue is with him. We know he doesn't like Lagerbiel. Doesn't think he's fast enough. That's fair enough. But Narovski looked fine. Uh, mm. So I mean, what is he doing in training that Phillips looks better on? Because Phillips is shocking. And I, I don't like to single out players like this, but Phillips isn't our player. He's never going to be our player. So he's going to he's going to go back to whatever he's going for him and milk them for whatever money. Uh, but look, you know we've got players there that could play, and quite frankly. My concern tonight is not taking a humiliating pummeling. and if we play anything like we played in that second half of the weekend, we will be destroyed. It'll be six 0 by half time, never mind full time, right? So I would say this, and, and you know, when I when we're talking about three five two, and I've been saying for weeks that we should play three five two, and people saying you know we don't we don't have wing backs. Well, I tell you what, you do uh, play Greg Taylor uh, and play uh, Ralston. Uh, so you've got your three central defenders. We can drop to a back five, which we need to do potentially. Play a waka, we can drop to a back six, which we might need to do, you know. But we still have uh, O and Q go up front uh, to to break on the counter, um, because we need that defence to be far far more solid than it is. Uh, and you know, we're talking about you know, you know it's other teams that play five at the back potentially, not as well. You know, both Ralston and Taylor, Taylor's effectively, his best season has essentially been as a midfielder. Ralston's strength is going forward and hitting the byline, and he's very mm-hmm. good at it. Yeah. Uh, so play them as wing-backs with your central three, uh, play Nowowski, um and uh, play Scales, uh, and play uh, AJ. Um, and Scales has played left-back, mm-hmm. AJ has played at the right. Of a central three. I've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh now that wouldn't be necessarily be the team you'd want to play domestically, but it definitely is for this game. Uh you because, know, you know, we could be pummeled here, absolutely pummeled. The
2: problem is you can't play Noroski because
1: he's not registered. He's not
3: registered, but if you're not it's a lager uh, bell, then it has to be.
1: be, be yeah. I was gonna say yeah. about Phillips. Uh Nirosky, because he was injured when we uh, obviously put the, the registration through for the players, he's not registered for the games. Shows you how bad shape we were in when that registration had to go through. Four oh, questions, John. Question, John.
3: Sorry, just I'm uh, to apologise. Didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Welsh is Welsh in the squad? He's training. You could see him training. Yeah, but, uh, is Welsh in the
1: Champions League squad? Stephen uh, Welsh. I'm I'm going to say he is because I think he's officially. He yeah, he is. He is in
3: the squad. Yeah. All right. All right. The, the, okay. The, so what, what's happened, What's happened to Stephen Welsh? Because again. I, I, I would take Stephen Welch any day of the week over uh, your man Phillips. Uh, well, on that point, John, uh, you
1: know, is Phillips is Phillips Rodgers' man? Is Phillips the? Oh, player he
3: definitely that, is. Of course, he is. That's why right? he's in there. He's the only yeah. contribution that Brendan has made to the the, the actual recruitment. He, very clearly, he's, he's uh, Brendan's man. He's he's a Liverpool man. How do you think we got that uh, connect?
1: All- this is the thing, this is the thing, John, because there's a few questions around that. Now, a few weeks back, Kevin Graham um, brought, up, brought it up and I think it's fair enough to bring it up because obviously we know how difficult the situation was that we were in. We're desperate, it's an emergency, we are bringing that Phillips. Was it in his contract that he has to be part of Champions League squads? I don't know, um, because when you're looking at a £3 million player in Lagerbjelk, not making a lot of the benches, etc., you start to wonder... But I think it's more realistic to view, and I'll throw this one to you, Paddy, see what your thoughts are, the fact that perhaps, because yeah. we don't know for sure, perhaps he was a player that Brendan Rodgers identified and wanted at the club. And that's why. And and he has spoken about him in the pressers, hasn't he? And, he, and he's spoken about his personality and his influence on, on training, etc. He's a guy that Brendan obviously rates. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts tonight. And John, you will not be a happy man to hear that. I'll not be surprised if Nat Phillips starts tonight, Paddy. He'll definitely
2: was, start
3: so, sorry. Tonight. Uh, yeah, sorry, Paddy. His influence in training and his personality. What's he doing? Is he a magician? What's he doing in training? Is he <laughs> it a, goes back uh, to that Roy Keane you know, sketch. He's contribution. Yeah.
2: He's putting
3: the cones out. What's he doing? Yeah, sorry. Card He's tricks. Card tricks,
2: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> right. Sorry, Paddy. No, sorry. He'll definitely start tonight. But what I also find interesting is that over the last, say, 10 days or so, Rogers has been calling out players left, right and centre. Um, yeah. But the first opportunity he took yesterday seemed to defend Nat Phillips by saying, don't blame him, blame me for Sunday. Um, when it was when I think the question was put to him, uh, what you thought about Nat Phillips' performance? And w- what I read from what Rogers said was, it wasn't Nat Phillips' fault, it was me for picking the team. So he seems to be the only player that's getting defended in my eyes, whereas he's picking out Kyogo, He's picking out Hattati at the start of the season, hmm. um, he's picked Mikey Johnson. Mikey Johnson, yep, which yep. again is a strange one considering he's, he's starting them, but picks him out for criticism as well. So he seems to be going at length to defend Phillips, whereas he's wanting kind of maybe pick out he's picked out Lager Bielka as well and the Rocky. um, who are two apparently two he signings. So the whole thing's totally bewildering, um, whether Phillips will be here. Uh, after December, I'd like to think not, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he was kept on to the end of the season because he is his man <laughs> um, nothing John, would surprise John, me
3: John, I'm, I'm telling you that, <laughs> that, that, that,
2: honestly, that nothing would surprise me at this moment in time um, well, He's 100%
3: going. his man, I've had that confirmed
2: Yeah, 100%, I 100% his man I, I mean, no other people say John, so, and obviously the fact that he's refusing to criticise his performance as well is abundantly clear, it's his man so, I, I just find the whole thing completely bewildering. And it's no wonder, like, the players are, seem to be kind of going through emotions a bit because they're just fairly uninspired, I think, by what's been going on in the last 10 days. Um, so, aye, it's, it's very, very strange.
1: It is, it is strange indeed. I'm going to bring in some of these comments. And then I want to talk about our very own Alan Morrison. I know Alan has been part of that successful team at the Huddle Breakdown. Um, he has contributed to Axon for... Many, many years. I always love his chat because he he talks about facts. He talks about data. And he presents it very, very well, does Alan Morrison. Um, And he was on the Graham Spears podcast the other night. And I thought he was sensational. A lot of the clips have been going viral uh, on the socials. And I want to finish off by talking about that. Before I I do that, though, I'm going to bring some of these comments in. I've got John Sweeney. Have the board got that complacent by hoarding the 72 million quid? we could lose the league with an awful summer window and spending only on quality will turn this round. I think spending on quality is key, John. I absolutely do. I don't think um, Rangers are any great shakes, but neither are we. And I do think there's a, an element of complacency. You don't go into a transfer window after winning a treble, after losing three players of quality who contributed massively to that treble, as well as Yakimakis and Juranovic during the season by bringing in project signings and that's exactly what happened and I can only put it down to complacency um, I think Patrick McGill raises a brilliant point in that City Grouped uh, clubs stockpile players send them all over the globe I think at one point there was 45 players out on loan at one of the City teams um, in the hope that a percentage of them come back and make you loads of money um, and I, th- I think Celtic have done it dreadfully if, if that is the case the urban culture Copenhagen's success is a bit awkward for Lowell and Co Conference League team with top brass and Champions League money. Copenhagen's been mentioned time and time again. Of course it is. Um, it is a club who have spent, I think, in the region of 8 million quid in the summer. Um, and they managed to make progress this season. We haven't. Um, so, yeah, you know, it can definitely be done. And Patrick Harold, board couldn't give a toss about progress in Europe. Just happy to collect the cash. Shambolic, um, says Patrick. So, John, I'll start with yourself then. Um, we're all conspiracists that it's all about us thinking that the referees are all Rangers fans etc 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 if you believe a lot of the mainstream that's what we continually get told Alan Morrison decided to have an adult conversation about this situation um, with Graham Spears and as I already said I thought it was phenomenal uh, the way that Alan broke it down almost to the point uh, uh, John where
3: how can you argue with it you can't and this deserves a show of its own quite frankly Um the way it's been described is pattern of assistance. And it's very important that you remember that pattern of assistance because it covers uh, a number of sins. And pattern of assistance is something you want to repeat to your friends, your family. Don't be talking about conspiracy theories or anything like that. Uh, and it's a, it's a powerful, it's, it's a bit like if you look at Brexit, take back control or get Brexit done. What we need to get in, if you want to help the team, if you want to do something constructive to help Celtic, talk about pattern of assistance, right? You can actually make a difference with that. Don't be ranting on about Masonic conspiracies or they're all out to get us. The evidence is there. The evidence is overwhelming. If you look at what Alan was saying, apart from that ludicrous, ludicrous run of 71 games uh, without without a penalty, he has taken a sample size that goes back three and a half years Because prior to three and a half years, there was no pattern. But now suddenly there's a pattern. And why did that start? Because you've had the 10, denying the 10, and you've had guaranteed Champions League money every year since. And all of a sudden there are discernible, undeniable, overwhelming evidence of pattern. So essentially, if you look at not just the 71 games, but if you look at uh, the impact of that, so that's what he was looking at: meaningful impact as well. So if you take, you know, because there, you can get penalties in a game as we do often, you know, if you're three 0 up, you're four 0 up, it doesn't mean, it doesn't have any impact in the game. You Not know, a man can get sent off; doesn't have any impact in the game, right? And he looked at that over those seasons. When are the penalties? When are the red cards? What impact have they had on the game? Now, his information comes from a referee who is completely independent. He's a a Sheffield Wednesday fan. He's got no skin in the game at all. Uh, So, because Allen recognises his own unconscious bias. So, basically, based on that information, Rangers have had net, net 26 points advantage of impact on the game, Celtic's is five positive impact in the game. That is a net twenty-one points a season to Rangers that they can take to the bank. Right now, why is this happening? Oh, we don't know. Uh, it, it could be many reasons. Uh, I would, I would strongly suggest to everyone that wants to help, you do not start talking about, you know, Masonic conspiracies and all the rest of it because we have to get the mainstream to acknowledge there is a problem. We must have them talking about this, because once the evidence is put to them, it is undeniable. He was talking about even you know, getting the penalties. Uh, you have to get in the box to get a penalty. You know, to, uh, For, for uh, Celtic, it's the usual sort of thing. You have to get in Celtic's box about 68 times or 60 times, roughly. Sorry, Alan, I can't remember, uh, to get a penalty. Rangers is 168 you know, to to get a penalty. It is clear and undeniable evidence uh, of a pattern. It is absolutely overwhelming. And how are people motivated if you're asking why? Uh, So people are motivated by a lot of things, fear, greed, love, and also unconscious bias. And Mm -hmm. someone on that same podcast gave an example of um, the basketball referees, white basketball referees, giving uh, uh, far more fouls against black players Against the white players, and when it was pointed out, it stopped right. But we have to get them to take us seriously, and the way to do it is everywhere you go, every conversation you're in, pattern of assistance. Pattern of assistance, you know, we're talking about uh, Crawford Allen came back from his holidays to deal with uh, Kyogo. I uh, was it, had a dodgy offside and we got a dodgy offside goal given come back from his holidays to deal with that made a statement, there is overwhelming undeniable evidence here of pattern of assistance, we have to get them to recognise it and if you can contribute to Alan's work in any way so he's Celtic by numbers he does the huddle breakdown um, send them some money that fella because by God, this is unbelievable work. unbelievable work which yeah. makes it absolutely clear the the what is happening here cannot be denied. It is not subjective. It is not conspiracy theorist. It cannot be denied. So I would just again reiterate: don't get dragged into those conversations that allow the MSM to dismisses pattern of assistance. Just keep repeating that.
1: Listen, John. Um, the first thing, Alan being Alan, it's it's brilliant that he's uh, he's obviously employed the services of, like you say, someone um, who's a referee from Sheffield with no skin in the game. But Alan Bean, Alan has described him as the Yorkshire whistler instead of the Yorkshire ripper. So well done, Alan, for keeping <laughs> your sense of humour uh, during the whole process. But what you've said is so important because you could probably take it back right, um, to the point where someone is brave enough in Scottish football circles, John, to actually speak out about it. And it was, I remember it, it was um, Richard Gordon. So Richard Gordon spoke about it. Graham Spears then tweeted about it. Alan Morrison is then on Graham Spears's podcast. And what you see gradually happening is that the, you know, infiltration, if you like, into the mainstream thought process that there is a pattern of assistance. And like you say, Alan's been pivotal in that because it's not just... In the last couple of weeks or this season he's done it over a period of season upon season upon season so that you can actually see the pattern developing within that period and I think he, he deserves massive credit uh, regardless of what you think about various people on that same podcast go and give it a listen um, and as John Hughes quite rightly says get behind Alan because I think he's done an amazing amount of work Paddy and bringing credibility and kudos to what we've been talking about for a long time
2: no, 100%. I mean, I've not listened to it all, but like you, or, or like probably most folk, I've seen bits of it on Twitter. I just find it amazing that nobody's asked the question. I just find that incredible that nobody's actually asked the question yet about how it seems to be happening. It just seems to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's my take on it. I know What I'm at a time. <laughs> no, well, can, I, can I just add one, one
3: thing before? Oh, John, I'm so sorry. I know I'm dominating again. <laughs> oh, sorry. but. The club needs to take this on board because this is, this is evidence. This is not some loon out there making things up. This is mm-hmm. evidential and the club must take it on board and pursue it. And it must be answered by the referees. And in a season like this one, where potentially it could be tight, again, thanks to, thanks to the board. That same board must defend the club. John,
1: you're talking about being domineering I wish we had that at centre half for Celtic at the moment and also (laughs) in the midfield so absolutely no issue with it I'll tell you what, thanks everybody for getting involved in the comments, Axon will be back half an hour before kick-off tonight as we always are to be talking about the uh, match this evening, thanks everybody for getting involved, thank you John Hughes, Paddy Sinnott, Patrick McGill for joining me once again on a Celtic State of Mind
2: Network.